Animals that live a very long period of time, like elephants, turtles, they're very low breathing rates, two to three mm. breaths a minute. Okay. Animals that live a very short period of time, like rodents, squirrels, rats, mice, they have very, very fast breathing rates, like 30 breaths per minute. Okay. Humans, we have the conscious ability to control the rate of our breath, which is very unique to, to humans compared to other animals. This is episode number 86 of The Inspiring Talk with Neeraj Nike. Welcome guys to The Inspiring Talk. My name is Vijay Gautam. I'm host for this show. Each week I interview today's most successful and inspiring personalities to help you realize your inner potential. In this episode, we talk about breathing. This essential function of human body looks very simple. We really don't think a lot about it. Yet, I ended up chatting for over an hour on this very topic with my guest today, Neeraj Naik. Neeraj was a community pharmacist for seven years. And I can relate to him as many of you know, I worked as a research scientist for a pharmaceutical company. Neeraj was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis, which causes long-lasting inflammation and ulcers in the digestive tract. He tried all sort of medication with no improvement on his health. That's when he embarked upon a journey of profound healing and eventually broke free from the burdens of his illness without medication. He calls himself a renegade pharmacist and is a founder of Soma Breath, where he empowers people with knowledge, tools, and techniques about breathing and healing. His teaching is backed by the scientific research and ancient wisdom of pranayama. In this episode, we dive deep into the power of breathing, creating the right balance of oxygen in the body, breathing techniques for living a longer and healthy life, nose breathing versus mouth breathing, benefits of breath retention or kumbhaka, and a lot. This episode is going to change your perspective about breathing forever. And this is going to be the go-to resource when it comes to breathing. Let's jump straight in. Welcome back inside this episode. I have Neeraj Naik with me. Neeraj, thank you so much for joining me. Absolute pleasure, my friend. It's a long time coming. It <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been a while, you know, since we last met at the summit and uh, I was there at your uh, morning sessions, one of the sessions, and I loved uh, what I saw and felt there at that session. And since then, I have been wanting to have you on the show and share the same experience with my listeners and no better time than this to do this, right? Yes, totally. Amazing. Yeah. All right. So Neeraj, you worked as a community pharmacist and I can relate to that because I studied pharmacy and worked as a research scientist for a pharmaceutical company for three years before I got into podcasting. Wow. So you can call me renegade pharmacist as well. <laughs> <laughs> good man, good man. So, so uh, and then, you know, you call yourself renegade pharmacist um, because after working as a community pharmacist for seven years, you suffered from ulcerative colitis and then, you know, because you needed to heal yourself. And then you got into this whole 
new world of yes. breathing and uh, alternative healing. Can right. you talk a little bit about, you know, how, because as a pharmacist, it's easier for you to gulp pills and, you know, heal yourself. Then how did you got fascinated with this whole new world of possibility for yourself? Great question. So actually, um, the thing with uh, medication, and, and I don't want to knock like drugs and pills and stuff, because they have their place. And actually, according to Ayurveda, our you know, traditional Indian methodology for healing and, and wellness, even drugs have a place there as well, but they are last resort. Okay, And every doctor has to have an oath, a swear by an oath that is the Hippocratic oath, that is first do no harm, right? So the idea is that we should do whatever we can to help a person get back to wellness without harming them, okay? Now, the problem with medication is that they're chemicals, and they're based on reductionist science. So they go in there and they, they work on one single kind of factor, like maybe cholesterol levels or, or it targets a certain point inflammation in a certain part of the body, but ignores the whole holistic system. And the problem with this as well is that chemicals, any chemical that we take, anything foreign like to nature, uh, that's been synthesized, made in a lab. It, it's subjected to the first past effect. So that means that the drugs go in straight to the liver. Okay. And over time, you get this problem of, of toxicity of the liver. And actually, one of the emerging causes of death in the world now is non-alcoholic cirrhosis of the liver. Okay. Which is a crazy situation because actually, usually cirrhosis of livers like caused by you know, that we know from alcohol, alcoholics. True. But now more and more people are getting this and it's because they're consuming so many chemicals and pharmaceuticals being a big, like, contribution to that. So I was actually, uh, I surrendered to the medical system in the beginning because I had no idea what to do. If you go on the Google, you know, you're you're pretty much getting doom and gloom all day long. This is incurable. Uh, the only thing you can do is have drugs or surgery. And so I was freaking out. And then you get all these very, very negative stories on the forums about the condition. And actually, I got very depressed. It made me super depressed. And there was a point where I was like going to the toilet 40, 50 times a day with this ulcerate bleeding out my ass. And, oh, um, and literally, I had lost, uh, I don't know in India if you have stones or, or kilograms, but I lost three stone in weight, which is around 20 kilograms in weight. Mm. So I was a wow. stick insect and I went to the doctor and the doctor said, um, who was this incredibly overweight consultant who just did not look like she represented health in any way. at all. <laughs> and she basically said, you've got two options. Either you have your colon removed or be on a drug that hasn't even been tested before as a guinea pig. Uh, and that being like 31 years old, wearing a nappy or having my uh, colostomy bag was like extremely depressing. They say God stands with gift of desperation, G-O-D, right? And actually I was in such a desperate moment that by a stroke of fate, now a very close friend of our family, a yoga teacher in the UK called Swami Amikananda said to me, you know, if you can heal yourself, you'll be an amazing role model to others. Somebody with your background, you know, your your willingness to help other people, things like that. It would make a great story. <laughs> so she said to me, you know, there are other options. You can go back into your traditional Indian practices, which is like Ayurveda, yoga, pranayama. 
And I'm a very skeptical person. Like I, I'm very left brain analytical. I like to analyze it. I need to have facts. The more I've realized uh, this, this situation, the more I realized how little I know and how confusing the scientific community is now as well and how polarized and they've become themselves. So uh, science has become very convoluted uh, these days. That's a whole other story. But I re- really needed evidence, but I had no choice. So I let my moment of disbelief go down and I just went and followed her advice. And literally within a few months, using very basic, simple breathing practices, combination of lifestyle changes and a whole change in perception about my illness, looking at it as a gift rather than a burden, I was back to full health within a few months. Like two or three months, I was all the, the symptoms had gone down. I had stopped taking drugs, uh, the medicines, like right in the early time of the illness because they were giving me so many side effects. So all the doctors were baffled. They were like, oh, my God. And some of these doctors are family friends. So Mm. they'll vouch for my transformation. And they were like, they have actually now, because of my success, now are really like listening to who I am and my message and even learning these techniques themselves from me. So... What I said was at that point, I'm like, because science is so confusing, mm-hmm. at the same time, so important to convincing other people who have become kind of institutionalized and dogmatized around this, this need for science to prove, prove things. I was like, I'm going to do whatever I can to put as much science to these, these techniques that I use as possible. And that was my mission. And literally... What happened was um, I couldn't go back to my job as a pharmacist. There's no way. I knew that that was a big part of problem because in Ayurveda, it's like you become your environment. So if you're in a very stressful environment filled with negativity and hate and anger and, and sorrow, as a lot of pharmacists are, like, you know, they, they go to work, <laughs> absolute no enthusiasm. And most people who work in a pharmacy, they're working like machines. They're not enthusiastic. Mm. And when you're in this environment, you can't help but get stressed and, and negative and and all of this takes its toll on you after a while so i knew i couldn't go back to that situation i had to do something else so i ended up actually creating a business around my passion I, music was a big part of my healing journey i realized that music has a strong spiritual component in these ancient practices and when you combine music with breathing with pranayama you can create some magic so, you know, you experienced this in, in um, the life. Absolutely. Event, right. So what happened was I started to go back into music. I'm a music producer. I love music. That's been my big passion. And I started to create this music but combined with breathing practices. Eventually became like used by some of the top therapists in the world. I even produced a soundtrack to the Wim Hof method. He's a dear friend mm. of mine. He's another guy who's put a lot of science uh, to these ancient practices and I ended up like creating a business, an automated business, like using the internet, uh, mm. which I urge everyone to look into doing. And um, I ended up like just traveling around the world, meeting amazing people around the world, meeting scientists, meeting uh, doctors in India. In Rishikesh, I met one doctor who's now become a part of our community because he has amazing research on pranayama, specifically these ancient shamanic practices uh, like from the Himalayas, which is all about breath retention, holding your breath, kumbhaka. 
And mm. uh, these are the revered techniques from pranayama that, that people have, don't talk about very much. And so I went and trained with him. And he actually has a clinic uh, where he's helping a lot of patients without using allopathic medicine, just using these techniques first. So first do no harm. And he's getting great results. And uh, so he trained me. I, I then uh, refined these techniques into what we now have as Soma Breath. And we train instructors. We've got over 600 instructors now around the world delivering these amazing transformative techniques. I've made them fun. I've made them accessible. I've added a lot of science to them. I'm working with doctors now. I'm working with um, other scientists to help back this stuff up. I have a, so much anecdotal evidence. We have like um, like 14,000 uh, members in our group, in our SOMA private wow. group. Uh, it's growing at a massive rate. We've had thousands of people do our courses. And every day I wake up to some transformative like testimonial from a somebody who's just done one of our trainings. And then we have these now, instructors how, yeah. who are creating these results too. So I know anecdotally that this stuff really works. Now it's the next step is to um, put deeper science research behind it. Yeah. Super. So being somebody who worked at a pharmaceutical company myself, and one of the things when I myself used to, you know, even get caught with a cold or whatever, or a fever in general, and uh, I wouldn't take medicines because I was working there and I know what happens there. And by the way, I mean, um, for the audience, we are at no way asking against the medicines or the uh. entire science there. It's like this shouldn't be taken as a medical advice and, you know, come yeah. back and, uh, you know. As I said, they have a place. And, yeah. They have yeah. a place and they actually can yeah. work miracles in emergency yeah. situations. So True. there's a place for everything, but they shouldn't be the first line treatment for everything. Yeah, that's exactly my uh, yes. what I wanted to you know ask you, Nita, is because mm. uh, you know you have uh, tried the medical and the science, and that didn't work, and you went to the ancient wisdom and uh, the knowledge from our ancestors and yogic practice that was there. I would like to go into detail in a moment, but before there. If anyone would like to, you know, go into these practices for the healing, if they have any illness that these people, uh, anyone who is listening to, right, how should they think about when to go to the ancient techniques and when to go to the doctors? Let's make that clear on the first and then we'll talk about more uh, detail about the ancient healing and the, the kind of practices that you do. So that like, let's make that clear in the beginning itself that, hey, yeah. this is when you need to go to doctor. This is when you can rely on the ancient techniques. Very good question. Okay, so... The ancient system of medicine, Chinese and Indian, is basically about the environment, creating a healthy environment that surrounds you and your inner world too. So your inner environment, your external environment being a healthy environment. And the idea is that as you become your environment, the effect of that will be it prevents you from getting the diseases of lifestyle. Now, we know now from overwhelming evidence that majority of the diseases that we have like diabetes obesity heart disease even cancer and all these other like chronic diseases the ones that take years to develop have a very strong epigenetic and lifestyle component so you may have genes for certain diseases but they only like are activated under environmental conditions certain environmental conditions which induces uh, them to wake up but we also, our lifestyle contributes to this as well. So the disease of lifestyle, like obesity is a very obvious one, right? You eat too much food, you don't do any exercise, 
you get emotionally stressed out, you know, you're going to put on weight. Not everyone does. Some people have faster metabolisms. And that's another thing about the Ayurvedic system is that there's no one size fits all. So the ancient techniques were really about preventing diseases of lifestyle. But what modern medicine did very well, okay, was it, it worked very well on acute diseases. So we're talking about bacterial infections. We're talking about viruses, you know, um, there's still a, that's a still controversial subject, actually, the truth behind <laughs> viruses. That's, we could go on for hours about that. But basically infection. So what the modern medicine did was treat those effectively and we eradicated, you know, certain diseases. However, the evidence also suggests that a lot of those diseases may have also just been eradicated because we had better sanitation, better nutrition, more food. You know, now we have less, well, until this, this incident happened, we had less poverty, less famine than we've ever had. The world was going into a very good place. And, you know, there is a definite correlation between when you have less famine, less poverty, better education, better sanitation, more water supply, pure, clean water supply. These infections also reduce, okay? Because what you're doing is you're aiding the immune system, your own innate immune system to deal with the situation. Now, what's happened now in, in modern medicine is unfortunately because, I mean, it's obvious, they make so much money. Like these drugs make billions, trillions of dollars, right? So if you're the marketing guru of a big pharmaceutical company, and your job is to increase the, the bottom line, you're going to do whatever you can to make sure that that medicine is the frontline treatment for everything. So what's happened is now there's been too much emphasis from the medical in industry to create drugs as first-line treatment for things that could be solved, right, especially like chronic diseases, autoimmune conditions, all that, by just good education and good lifestyle changes, and having the right foods, the right nutrition, the breathing is so important, right? We can go into more about the science of breathing. And all of these things that create an, a, a sense of wellness, well-being. So what I'm all about is um, helping people maintain wellness to prevent like these diseases of lifestyle, okay? However, certain cases, like say you go to the tropical jungle and you get this crazy bacterial infection, antibiotics are going to they're going to be amazing for that. They're going to solve a lot of problems. Like if you go, to, if you're an older patient, and you go to the hospital and you get bacterial pneumonia. Okay, so one of the problems in the world is pneumonia. We have three million pneumonia deaths around the world every single year, and a lot of those cases caught from when a, an old patient goes to hospital. So there, you can use azithromycin, for example, and mm. certain antibiotics to prevent the bacterial pneumonia from killing the patients, okay? And actually, this is another fact that, that one of the major causes of death in the world is medical intervention and mistakes that are caused by the wrong prescribing. So what we've got to do is we've got to, if you have a serious, say you've had a, like an emergency, like, car, like say you've had a car crash, you've had a heart attack, you've um, had a traumatic injury, you know, you, something like that, you then you you should go to the doctor but when there's like diseases of lifestyle like obesity mm. diabetes heart disease blood pressure issues depression even anxiety things symptoms of stress basically you know just yeah chronic diseases yeah yeah then we can actually solve a lot of these issues just with the, the stuff that i teach through soma breath 
and going to our ancient practices like Ayurveda. Super. Thank you so much for that uh, clarity so that, you know, at least we set the expectations right for our listeners on and then, you know, have that clarity. You mentioned about the pranayama, right? And that's a word that is used a lot. But what I have realized is even though that is the word that I believe every single listener out there might have heard it, a pranayama, right? With all the Ramdev, Baba and all the, you know, uh, yoga gurus making this word popular. What is a pranayama? Okay, so there's a lot of misconception with pranayama. Uh, There's no education on it in our schooling system, for example, which it should be taught from a very young age. You know, the moment you go to school, you can go to school, they should be teaching this stuff. You know, I really, really believe that. So what pranayama means is actually it means energy control. Prana is energy and yama is control. So how do you produce energy in the body? Let's just be logical about this. How do you produce energy in body? It, you produce it by breathing in oxygen. Oxygen comes in, combines with, uh, in the mitochondria, the energy center of the cell, with glucose, like a, starts like a, it combusts like a fire to produce ATP, which is this biophotonic light energy, which is the, the way the cells communicate with each other. It's a currency of energy in the body and CO2 and water and you breathe out the co2 and the water vapor all right so energy is actually produced by breathing okay so you can increase your energy you can lower your energy you can control the energy through breathing techniques and also certain things like asana uh, energy locks banda they're called to enhance the movement of energy around the body and the rate of production of energy and your ability to become efficient using energy can be trained as well through pranayama okay so they developed this amazing science of energy control thousands of years ago and one of the the key things about pranayama is it was also evolved by studying animals in nature okay all of yoga was was actually evolved from studying animals in nature and they observed that animals that live a very long period of time like elephants turtles they have very low breathing rates, two to three mm. breaths a minute, okay? Animals that live a very short period of time, like rodents, squirrels, rats, mice, they have very, very fast breathing rates, like 30 breaths per minute, okay? Humans, we have the conscious ability to control the rate of our breath, which is very unique to, to humans compared to other animals. Like There's certain mammals like dolphins who can do it too, but um, we have this very unique ability. Now, most people are unconsciously breathing all the time. They just let their breathing take control from the reptilian brain, which is actually subcon- like very easily conditioned and programmed, okay? So, but consciously, we can actually also take control of this and we can actually change the rate of our breath. So, pranayama also was a system of techniques to bring your breathing rate down to four to five breaths per minute, so that you can actually increase your longevity, your lifespan, right? And now there's, from the, the studies that are emerging now, a lot of um, evidence to, to show the benefits of slow breathing, of controlling your breathing and, and having slower breath rates. And also these techniques like Kumbhaka for improving your oxygen efficiency and this high-intensity exercise and controlling your breath during exercise and doing static contraction which is what yoga you were supposed to be was static contraction holding your breath 
and using each pose like a meditation to a point where you um, can't hold that pose any longer. This is like a, a high intensity static contraction exercise. That's what yoga is supposed to be. Nowadays, it's become like an aerobic exercise. It should be anaerobic in the absence of oxygen. What that does, it trains your cells to become more efficient in using oxygen. All right. Now, the reason for this and why it's important and why the yogis were so smart is that in modern scientific understanding, there was a doctor called, a famous one called Helmut Sees, who coined the terms oxidative stress. Okay. And we all probably are aware of what oxidative stress. It means the oxidization from the presence of oxygen. Okay. So if you look at a car that's left out for a long period of time, it rusts. You see the metal rusts. Okay. That's called oxidative stress. And that happens out in uh, nature, right? Now, inside the body, we are also subjected to oxidative stress. So Helmut C said that although humans find it impossible to live without oxygen, it's also very difficult for us to live with oxygen because of this phenomenon, oxidative stress. And what happens is when you breathe in oxygen, it binds to your red blood cells, okay? And it oxidizes your bloodstream. That's what makes the, the blood red, okay? Now, if the oxygen is bound to the red blood cells and it isn't taken off the red blood cells to go to the tissue cells, it can lead to oxidative stress within the arteries themselves. And that can cause the inflammation in the arteries that leads to blocks, uh, coronary artery blocks, things like that, and heart attacks. So oxidative stress also excess oxygen going into cells and inefficient use of oxygen can actually cause this free radical damage, which is now shown to cause uh, cell degeneration, mutation of the cells, and can then lead to things like cancer, mutations, and also early se cell death. So the idea of pranayama, the whole goal of it was to mitigate this oxidative stress, to become so efficient at using oxygen that your breathing rate goes down. And as a net result of that as well, you become more calm, you have a more balanced nervous system, and you're more in your flow. And that's what really pranayama was about. And actually, pranayama and asana goes hand in hand together. And the, the process of doing the asana in the right way is also about creating highly efficient cells using energy and oxygen. And when you have this harmonious production of energy in the body and you, you bring all the energy un, into efficiency, the production of energy is efficient, it has an amazing effect for your well-being. Your, um, your whole body becomes optimized. Your mind uh, becomes more clear. Uh, you have less uh, issues of like anxiety, panic, depression, and your energy levels go up and you become less risk of getting these diseases of lifestyle as well. So our first goal with, with Soma Breath is to train people to have oxygen efficiency. This will give you an amazing protection against lifestyle diseases and will also just help you in your day-to-day -day life. So this is one of the keys. We teach pranayama, but we take the most scientifically proven ones and teach you different methods of firstly becoming efficient using oxygen so you have less oxygen stress, but also in pranayama is like a pharmacy of different breathing practices, okay? 
And hmm. there's different techniques for like lowering stress, lowering your blood pressure, calming your nervous system down. There's also ones for producing more energy, like energizing your system, getting more focused and more in your flow. There's also uh, techniques for breathing and swallowing air into your bowels so that you kill bad bacteria. Like they had this amazing understanding of oxygen and the role of it in the body. Even to the point they understood the gut microbiome better than we do now. So mm. I, there's a lot of wisdom in these ancient practices. And the, we just Super. keep them the most um, yeah, scientifically proven and easy to do. Yeah. yeah, so some of the things that you have just shared, Neeraj, uh, was very, very fascinating for me. Uh, you know, the simplest thing about just controlling and slowing down our breath, right? And how that helps in the longevity. And that is something that is backed by science now. It's not something yes. that, you know, that's just uh, something uh, some yogic said, but that science has proved that just slowing down your breath can actually add maybe a couple of years to your life, and which is, uh, you know, very, very fascinating. And also the oxygen efficiency and uh, the whole thing about aligning everything together and uh, being more energy efficient is another thing that's really fascinating now i would like to you know get into the very very basics of the breathing like let's say somebody who is listening to this and who is like totally new to this idea right and i was exposed to this whole idea of how breathe can help you and you're on uh, you know breathing cycle can help you last year and uh, i haven't been into detail of that but i was just exposed to the idea that you know this really helps you in healing in longevity and a lot of other things now for somebody who is looking at getting started with this what is the first step to get into this world of you know energy efficiency or the oxygen efficiency yes okay so that's great Oxygen efficiency basically means being able to eat, like efficiently burn oxygen to produce energy, which means that you need less oxygen to, to survive and to be at your best. So the less you need to breathe, the idea is that you become healthier and the longer you live. All right. That's, that's the logic. So, um, the way do you, how do you train that? So what we teach is anaerobic exercise which is exercise in the body in the absence of oxygen, okay? So let me give you the analogy of a bike, bicycle. When you first uh, learn how to ride a bike, you usually wear, you have stabilizers, like three wheels and it, and that's the first step. However, if you really want to get good at using the bike, you're going to take the stabilizers off. Then you can ride on two wheels, all right? So the same thing is with your body. Like if you train, if you exercise aerobically in the presence of oxygen so actually a lot of yoga these days is like vinyasa flow you're just moving from one pose to the next very quickly okay what happens is like the muscles always getting fresh oxygen okay so it doesn't really train it that well whereas if you do a static contraction the static contraction means like contracting the muscle and holding that pose for as long as you possibly can to the point of exhaustion and controlling your breath so that you are not allowing more oxygen to go there. You create this state called intermittent hypoxia, okay? And what that does is it basically forces your muscles to use up all the, the energy reserves that it's gone. It puts a positive stress on that, that muscle. And that forces the mitochondria in that area to become more efficient at using oxygen. It's like it gears them up, it shakes them up, and, and it get, tells them, 
right, we're going into battle. And it tells them to uh, become more efficient. So they multiply in number. What also help happens is you in this hypoxic uh, conditions, you can activate these very small embryonic-like stem cells, which have the ability to turn into any other cell. Okay. And the other thing from that is you produce nitric oxide, nitric oxide and carbon dioxide levels raise. You get better vascularization. The blood vessels dilate and you get more blood flow uh, being produced. So you get more blood vessels being created. So the entire area becomes more efficient at using oxygen. All right. You get more blood flow. You get better oxygenation. And this overall means that you need less oxygen to, to produce energy. And if you do this with every muscle group in your body using certain asanas and, and holding your breath and holding that pose until you can't hold it any longer, rather than just going from one pose to the next, you train every single muscle to become efficient. Okay. Then the next step is learning uh, kumbhaka. So hmm. kumbhaka basically uh, means breath retention. Okay. So there's antara kumbhaka, holding your breath on the inhale. And then there's baya kumbhaka, holding your breath on the exhale. There's also Nishesha Rechaka Kumbhaka, which is holding your breath beyond the comfort zone, okay, where you, you literally are tricking the brain into allowing you to hold your breath way longer than you actually can. Now, what makes you breathe again, what tells your brain to breathe is carbon dioxide levels, not oxygen, okay? Now, if you have a, um, a, a device like this, okay, which is an oximeter, it will tell you your blood saturation levels. In a moment, come up with a value. Okay, you see I've got 98% blood saturation levels. Okay, that's the number there. All right. Now, we actually have an abundance of oxygen. It's not the oxygen that's the problem. Okay. We have an abundance of oxygen always going into our bloodstream. What we need to do is get that oxygen into the cells where it needs to go, like in the organ, in the tissue cells of your body, right? So if it stays stuck to the red blood cells, then it's not getting to where it needs to go. And for most people, this is the problem. They're not getting efficient uh, movement from the, the blood cells to where it needs to go, okay? So what we do is we create this state called intermittent hypoxia, all right? And this actually means that you create a lower than normal oxygen level in your bloodstream for a short period of time. So what that means is that 98% is going to go down to below 90%. And using our techniques, you can bring it down much further. Okay. Like some people get down to 50, 40% blood saturation. Okay. And because the carbon dioxide is what triggers your brain to breathe again, what you do is you do this bastrika breathing first, where you're breathing out all the oxygen. Oh, sorry, all the carbon dioxide from your system. Okay. And what that means is then you now have like very full saturation of oxygen, no, very little carbon dioxide. And that means now you've tricked the brain into allowing you to hold your breath for longer than you actually can. And what will happen is there'll be a point after about a minute to minute 30 of holding your breath on the exhale, Baya Kumbhaka, where you, you activate this Nishesha Rechak, which is holding your breath beyond comfort zone. And usually you're only better to hold your breath for around 30 seconds, okay? But with this technique of doing this special Bastrika followed by breath retention, 
you can bring this oxygen saturation down for a brief period. It raises carbon dioxide. And what it also means is that all that oxygen you brought in starts to rush into all the cells in your body. You get kind of hyperoxygenation of your cells, right? You get this burst of, and you get all these blood vessels waking up around your body. And you also get blood flow, improved blood flow to your brain. And actually you can wake up dormant parts of the brain as well that haven't been used using this technique. And this can actually lead to uh, neurogenesis and stimulation of new brain cells as well, which is great for producing um, you know, new cognitive abilities and talent skills, but it can also help you with your memory and all sorts of other benefits. But what it also does when you hold your breath for a long period of time like this is it trains your mitochondria to become more efficient in oxygen. You get more vascularization. You're, you also produce more red blood cells. And red blood cells are the carrier of oxygen in your body. So if you have more red blood cells, you're also more efficient using oxygen. And with if you do daily practice of this, it basically means you stay efficient at using oxygen. Okay, You don't want to overdo it because that becomes chronic hypoxia. But just doing the recommended dose that we, we teach of this Kumbhaka. In our, in so what is uh, the recommended uh, time or duration that you recommend to people? Uh, and also uh, this Kumbhaka, do you hold the breath on Baya, as you said, where you exhale and then hold your breath or you inhale and hold your breath? Which right. one do you recommend and uh, or both? And, uh, you know, how long should people be doing the Kumbhaka on a daily basis for, you know, being more oxygen efficient and, you know, and all the benefits that you are talking about? Yeah, great. So we have a daily dose. We recommend two rounds of this practice of rhythmic breathing followed by breath retention. The way I've actually improved on this, enhanced on this technique. So the original tantric yoga techniques that's preserved in the Himalayas was you do about 20 to 30 reps of Bastrika. What that also does is it moves the cerebral spinal fluid, which is the, one of the biggest lymph uh, glands in your body, and it drains the fluid from your, your brain, all right, which is really important. Um, so you do about 20 cycles of that. That also breathes out the carbon dioxide. Then you take a deep breath in and then breathe out and hold your breath. And you hold your breath till you start to get this rush of energy building up. And you'll feel this surge of energy from the base of your spine moving up through your body. And then the idea is you take a deep breath in and hold the breath on the inhale. And what that does is it moves cerebral spinal fluid up to the brain as well. Okay. And all of this energy that you build up moves up into the brain and you get this movement of stem cells and, and uh, this positive like hormones that produce some positive stress moving up to the brain and it, and it has this overall kind of enhancing effects over your, your body. Like it, you just feel amazing. And something is, you've got to just do it to try it and experience it. That's a traditional kind of Himalayan yogic technique. So that's a three-step process. You do yeah. 20 to 30 rep of Vastrika, which is, uh, you know, rapid breathing. And yeah. then that is followed by deep in and out. And then yeah. you hold on the out. Yeah. Right. And uh, on the exhale. And hold it till the time you can't hold it anymore. Like yeah. that's when you're like, you know, that's, that's like, okay. that rough. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then the third step in this is you take a deep breathe in and then again, yeah. hold you it. Pull up the pelvic floor muscles. So the pelvic floor muscles, the muscles you'd use, if you really need to go for a pee, 
and you pull them mm. up and hold them. Okay. All right. Mm. You send the energy up. Now, here's the thing. So I've made the, the whole process into a meditation. So the point of Kumbhaka as well was that it also gets you into very deep meditative states. Because when you, if you imagine life is just a series of inhales and exhales, right? True. So in, according to yogic tradition is that our thoughts are directly linked to our breath. Okay. And actually spiritual means to breathe. As it comes from the Latin, espiritu means breath. Spiritual means to breathe. Okay. So everyone is spiritual because we all, we all breathe. All right. So according to this, if our thoughts are linked to our breath, when you expire, expire literally means breathe out. And it's also associated with death. Okay. You expire. Mm. And you breathe out. You actually go into this very deep meditative state where your thoughts just quieten down completely because you're seizing the production of energy in the body for that brief period. Okay. And your thoughts and your brain activity calms right down. And it becomes like a defrag switch for your, your, your operating system. And it, it can create a lot of clarity, it allows your brain to have a rest. Okay. Your thoughts, your verbal part of the mind to have a rest for a moment, which can have a very amazing release of tension in your body. Like sympathetic activity from thinking actually causes tension in your body. So one of the benefits of meditation is to release tension. If you have a lot of tension in your body, because if you're stressed out, you're thinking a lot, you're erratic and you're thinking, you can actually diminish blood flow to your organs as well. So tension, chronic tension also causes disease. So this Kumbhaka technique also releases tension in your body and it improves blood flow to all the areas in your body. Now, if you combine this as well with affirmation, visualization techniques, you can actually become like the software program of your own operating system. Imagine you are a computer programmer programming your entire blueprint of who you are, right? You can do this and you can use the power of self-hypnosis to go in there and install new ideas, new beliefs, new talents, new skills, you know, remove old habits using this technique as well. All right. So that's one of the other benefits is using Kumbhaka as a meditation. Now, mm. here's the thing. The other cornerstone foundation of yoga is this rhythmic breathing, breathing in a rhythm, in a harmony, and breathing mm -hmm. from your diaphragm in and out in a rhythm. So what, I, what so, you'd use, so I was saying the Bastrika yeah. is the first part. Mm. Okay, that's what is traditionally considered Bastrika. But what I've done is I've, I've worked on this, and, and what I realized was if you breathe in a perfect rhythm to a beat, so music has a rhythm to it, okay? Mm. You can actually time your breath to that rhythm. And you go more into a meditative state because you're not counting in your head, you're not watching the time or anything like that. You're just doing it with the music. And it becomes mm. more of an unconscious thing. And you go into this meditative kind of flow state. When you do that, you get this benefits of this coherence. Coherence is where you get optimum blood flow from your heart to the brain by breathing in a perfect rhythm. So here's mm. another thing. When you breathe out, you stimulate your parasympathetic nervous system. When you breathe in, you stimulate your sympathetic nervous system. So when you breathe in a perfect rhythm, you balance the nervous system. You breathe out for the same amount of time as you breathe in. This has this harmonious, harmonizing effect in your physiology. And you bring everything into harmony and balance. Every cell, every function in your body 
is subject to rhythms, okay? Circadian rhythms, infradian rhythms, ultradian rhythms. So when you breathe in a rhythm, you create this harmony in your body because every function is subservient to the rhythm of your breath. This is something that Dr. B.M. Hegde talks about a lot. He's the very famous doctor in India. Uh, you should yeah. check out his stuff. So what we've done with Soma is we've created this rhythmic breathing to a beat, perfect rhythm, which then allows you to hold your breath for even longer periods of time, okay? And you go into mm. deeper meditations, and we use music to enhance this meditative experience. When you do this, uh, a series of rounds, like four to five rounds, what can happen is you go into deeper and deeper kumbhaka, states of kumbhaka, deeper. You'll be able to hold your breath for like two, three minutes even. And this is where mm. the magic really starts to happen. You get into very deep, like intermittent hypoxic states where your oxygen levels drop, and here's the thing. I believe samadhi, this nirvana state, is merely the state of intermittent hypoxia. They've done these studies where they put people into these hypoxic rooms where they lower the oxygen for, for a period of time. And after two to three minutes of having low oxygen levels, people go into this euphoric state that they describe like as just ultimate bliss, oneness, lack of judgment, nirvana basically like enlightenment and why is it's quite it, fascinating yeah why is it the yogis go and live at the top of the mountains where the oxygen levels are so low and they go into mm. the states they become so efficient at using oxygen that they can survive in these very low oxygen states and they go into these nirvana bliss light states and what happens is what they found in the wim hof studies when they studied him that when you get into this kumbak this deep intermittent hypoxic states you produce this, these amazing, powerful, like ad adrenaline, dopamine, and these feel-good hormones, tryptamines and endogenous DMT that takes you into these amazing, profound states of well-being. So imagine, I think the yogis, they hacked this, this process of getting into this, these profound altered states of consciousness through holding your breath. And yogis can hold their breath seven, eight minutes at a time. Like, you know, like I can get up to like about four minutes at the moment, but like these yogis who train a lot, they can hold their breath for such long periods of time and be in these states of like kind of low oxygen and be okay. They can survive in it. It's because they've become so efficient using oxygen. And why do they go and live there? It's because less oxygen is stress. They live, you know, you have these stories of immortal yogis in the autobiography, the yogi, maybe that's why is because they become so efficient in oxygen, less oxygen is stress. Now, let me give you some like science to back this up. So as I was saying, rats, they don't live a very long time, like one or two years, right? There's their counterparts called mole rats. Mole rats live up to 30 years. And what they, wow. say, the difference between a mole rat and a normal rat is that they actually live in hypoxic conditions for long periods of time. They can survive in low oxygen for like 18 minutes at a time. So they and what they've done is they've done studies where they injected them with cancer cells, right? And they found that the cancer didn't affect them. They didn't get cancer. So these are the phenomenons that we're seeing in like mole rats. Mexican Olympics that was in 1968, people were breaking world records left, right and center. And they realized the reason was, was that they were training at high altitudes. The Mexican Olympics was held at high altitudes. So what happens? They became very efficient using oxygen. And this, 
This actually gave birth to the phenomenon of intermittent hypoxic training protocols, where they use machines, and this is very popular in Russia, to uh, simulate high altitudes. And what, so what they found was that people who went up to mountains for brief periods of time and came back to down, they had like diminished symptoms of, of chronic diseases, they had better endurance, stamina, their moods improved, and things like that. And they wanted to figure out what it was. It's because they're going to low oxygen environments for a brief period. So this going back to the helmet seas thing, you know, we don't like oxygen very much, even though we, it's a necessary evil. So if we can become more efficient using it, it can have profound results to our health. And this is exactly what we teach in Simer is this is the primary mechanism. We're all about oxygen efficiency. So you need oxygen, less oxygen to survive. Yeah. I think that's really fascinating. And, you know, just hearing all the science and the research that you are sharing about the things, whether that's about the Russia or, you know, the things that people and, you know, even the Wim Hof, he talks a lot about that. And, you know, he has done some crazy experiments with, uh, you know, to the extent of injecting the antibiotics on his body and using the breathing technique. And he himself do not get affected by, you know, the antibody that uh, yeah. injected on himself. Right. So now. For people who are listening to this and, uh, you know, is a daily practice or is there something that they can do on their daily routine? Like yeah. I, I, you know, on our conversation, I have already noticed that you have consciously at least on, in the past, uh, you know, 45 to 50 minutes, I can see you have consciously taken at least 15 to 20 breaths and I'm noticing that. So one thing is obviously you have explained the process of, uh, you know, the process of this three-step process that we shared, you know, where people can sit down and get into the state of Kambaka and hold the breathe. But on a normal, like if they are heading to the office or they are stuck in traffic or, you know, they are in a stressful situation, are there some of the things that people can do on their regular life and fitting into their daily yes. routine. That's something that they can do. Yeah. So as I said, pranayama is a, a pharmacy of different techniques. Okay. So one thing they told us that, that we have the medical establishment kind of educate out, us out of our own natural power, our own abilities to control our own nervous system. Okay. So what that means is that We've been told that we have no control over autonomic nervous system. If we autonomic nervous system is basically all the things it runs um, behind the scenes without our conscious control uh, that takes care of our heart rate, our immune system, our digestion, all the things that we just take for granted. Okay. Now, what we've been told is that the only way to influence this is through pills, uh, surgery machines, things like that. It's completely not true. Let me show you. I'm going to give you proof, and then I'll show you how this relates to a daily techniques that we can use. So, if you look here, this is my heart rate. Okay. So yeah. So, uh, for the people who are listening to this, Neeraj has got this oxygen device on his, uh, you know, pointing finger, and he's showing me the readings on the screen. And go ahead, Neeraj, you can continue explaining. Yeah. So the 70 is my heart rate right now. Okay. Mm. So I'm going to show you. I'm going to uh, attempt the impossible. I'm going to raise my heart rate up by 20 breaths per minute. I uh, sorry, beats per minute. And I'm going to lower it by 20 beats per minute in a couple of minutes. All right. Consciously. So ready? Eighty-two, eighty-four, eighty-seven. That's the heartbeat. So it was seventy, and it's now ninety bits per minute. Ninety-three, ninety-six, hundred, 
104. It's insane. Needles has just increased its heartbeat by 30 beats per minute. And now it's going down. Now he's slowing it down. He's slowing his heartbeat. It's now 62. Sixty. Fifty-three. Fifty-two. I did it. I think that's good enough. This right? is this is incredible. I mean, <laughs> you can control your heartbeat, and I mean, obviously, you know, Neeraj is not running on a treadmill to increase his heartbeat. He's just sitting on his chair and doing it, right? I mean, <laughs> this is this is fascinating. All right. So let me, sh anyone can do that. That's not a magic trick or anything like that. Anyone can do this. So you just need to know some principles of the breath and how it relates to your heart. So when you breathe in, you stimulate your sympathetic nervous system. When you breathe out, you stimulate your parasympathetic nervous system. Okay. So sympathetic is your fight and flight response. It's what creates um, activity in your life. It can also lead to chronic stress. If it's activated too much, it can lead to chronic stress. The opposite end, when you breathe out, the parasympathetic is your rest and digest mode. It's what allows us to recuperate, rejuvenate. And actually, the problem we have now in the world is that we, we are no off switch for the stress. And we're just constantly surrounded by stress all the time. So what I just showed you there was I, I actually created a, a stress response in my body where I shot, I made a burst of adrenaline and I sent my heart rate up. Okay. So... What that little burst of adrenaline is, when it's done in a, with a good intention, in a positive intention, it produces adrenaline and other chemicals like DHEA rather than cortisol. Cortisol is associated with negative stress, with fight and flight, tension, and things like that. So I create a positive stress response, which can act like an anti-inflammatory. So what uh, pharmacists give people who are having anaphylactic shocks, like allergies and things like that, is they give them a burst of adrenaline to lower the inflammation. So that actually acts like a natural anti-inflammatory, and but you've got to use it in the right context. So our Soma Daily Dose, which I'll, I'll explain, we use this in the right context, and we give you that short burst of adrenaline that actually has this natural anti-inflammatory effect on the body. Okay. Now, the opposite side, uh, the parasympathetic nervous system, the doctors would generally give you things like blood pressure medications, beta blockers, things that control your heart rate, lower it, lower your heart rate. And, you know, the idea of this is that uh, you lower blood pressure, you lower the effects of stress and all that stuff. Now, I just showed you that I could lower my heart rate naturally just with my breath, okay? And it, and it basically made a pretty significant result that you just saw. So the thing with the breath is that it's, it's more intelligent than a pill can be. And you can consciously control it. So whenever you feel any tension, if you're any anxiety, if you just extend your exhalation, if you breathe in and you just breathe out, like you're breathing out through a small straw, that will start to lower your heart rate naturally. Chanting Aum, that also does the same thing. So doing a few rounds of Aum or just exhaling, extend your exhalation. Whenever you feel nervous, you feel a bit tense, we feel stress with tension. Whenever you feel that tension around your chest, 
your, you know, your arms or wherever you feel tension, you can just breathe it out and extend your exhalation. And the other thing is that your sphincter muscles, so the area around your sphincter and your pelvic floor, your perineum, are also linked to your sympathetic nervous system. And a lot of people, they're uptight when they're stressed and they, they're contracting the sphincter. It's what, why people get constipation and issues like that as well. It's because they're pulling up this pelvic floor region all day long. They're uptight. You know that expression, you're uptight, um, comes from, or, you know, he's um, tight ass, you know, things like that. Okay. Yeah. That neurotic people. <laughs> it's, they're constantly contracting those muscles around the sphincter. And this can lead to constipation. And they're producing a burst of adrenaline all the time. And that leads to chronic stress. So letting go will relax the sphincter and also help with things like constipation and, uh, and just makes you feel relaxed. But as I said, that using the sphincter, the, it's called the mula bandha, using in the right context, actually can ha have a very therapeutic benefit. So what we've created is this daily dose. So the daily dose has got some components to it. The first is rhythmic breathing to a beat, a perfect rhythm. Okay, so, so one thing you can do is put your hand, right hand on your belly, your left hand. And on this your is belly. like a very, very practical tips that Neeraj yeah. is giving guys. Make a note and super important. Please yeah. go ahead. So first is to control your breathing. Okay, so right hand on your belly, left hand on your chest. Okay. Now observe which hand rises first when you inhale. What do you find? Mine is uh, the right hand, the belly one. So that's good. That's how you should be. So you should breathe into your belly. Imagine your nostrils in your belly. So you're breathing in through your belly and then into your chest. Okay. That's a, a deep, full yogic breath. Okay. Now, um, okay, so you are saying that when you are breathing first, you feel your belly and then your chest. Yes. Okay. okay. That's that's the best way to breathe. Now. Okay. Now, not a technique. This is this is normal breathing that I'm talking about now. We should always breathe through our nose as much as possible. The only time you should breathe through your mouth is when you're doing extremely intense exercise. You need the oxygen, or talking. Talking is the only time we usually breathe through our mouth. Okay. You'll find if you talk a lot for a long period of time you start to get um, nervous and panicky because you're breathing out so much carbon dioxide. Avoid mouth breathing because it means you let go of too much oxygen, uh, sorry, carbon dioxide, and you breathe in too much oxygen. This can lead to the problems of over-breathing, which we talked about before, oxidative stress, okay? Breathing through your nose, no, nasal breathing slows down the rate of airflow going in, okay, automatically because you have much smaller air waves. What it also does, it, it filters the air, okay? So if you're in somewhere like Delhi, you should really be very mindful of <laughs> breathing through your mouth. You should always breathe through your nose, okay? It acts like a filter, it warms the air, and it prepares it for oxygenation, okay? Now, sometimes people get asthma and things like that because they mouth breathe too much. So switching to nose breathing can actually solve asthma issues pretty quickly. Wow. And during the, your sleep, we actually often, we breathe through... So for people who yes. have asthma, we breathe through our mouth. Now, if you can tape up your mouth before you go to sleep, and you'll see the effects of that. It's miraculous what it can do for, for asthma. Okay. Oh, that's interesting because yeah. I also realized, I mean, most of the people, right, the moment you fall into the sleep, then your mouth 
you yeah. open your mouth and then yes. your mouth and that's and you know a lot of us i think breathe uh, through mouth while we are sleeping so you are suggesting to put a tape on your mouth while you are sleeping yeah. this actually can yeah. lead to a lot of amazing benefits your clarity waking up full of energy and all that stuff now fascinating so nasal breathing is is important okay and your breath should be silent it shouldn't be forced during the day day to day your breath should be silent through your nose okay now so that's the the first good habit and the other thing is as i said extend your exhalation okay when you feel any nervousness tension extend your exhalation and low, slow your your rhythm right down okay and then um our daily dose has this perfect rhythmic breathing where we breathe in through our nose now this is a technique so don't confuse this with with normal breathing you're breathing in through your nose and out through your mouth in a perfect rhythm this creates the stateful coherence so just doing a few minutes of that a day can actually really help you feel amazing and in your flow and if you actually feel a little bit nervous or stressed you can also do rhythmic breathing and it can get you back into your flow state okay now what that also does is if you do it in the right method it prepares you for kumbhaka where you then hold your breath for a period of time which brings this intermittent hypoxia into effect and then that leads to worse oxygen efficiency benefits and the benefits of meditation so what we use is a combination of um in our daily dose rhythmic breathing followed by breath retention and then that can lead to these amazing overall health benefits so we made this daily dose routine it gives you the right amount of uh, intermittent hypoxia for the day that you need and we also have a nighttime dose so there's different rhythms of breathing as well when you breathe out double the length of time as you breathe in you stimulate the parasympathetic and it also improves your oxygen uptake into your cells so we've created this rhythm called 2/4 rhythms where you breathe in for 2 and out for 4 beats to music and that can actually make you prepare yourself for sleep rest digest if you had a heavy meal it can help you digest your food so we have a nighttime dose as well okay so we have two different doses and um we've put this also together in a system our, mm-hmm. our awakening journey which is over 21 days which prepares you to go into very deep kumbhaka meditations and this is all guided through with an instructor and it can lead to amazing amazing transformations in your health i could clearly see that and yeah. uh, uh and to be very honest like i was wondering what niras does for 21 days just for breathing right i mean <laughs> so and then now you know with all the science and all the some of the techniques that you have shared here i can clearly see where it is going and it's it's not just about breathing it's not only about healing but it's also about the peak state which you talk about right where you are on the complete flow on the meditative state that is absolutely phenomenal niras so one thing that i wanted to you know you you mentioned about for the better sleep uh, two bits of breathe in and four bits of you know yeah. breathing out which means you are slowing down when you are exhaling so that yes. you can have a better You're sleep and then de-stress Yeah you know, so double uh, four in and eight out. out so if we have to say that in the terms of seconds like yeah, you know seconds how many seconds in, four out or four seconds in eight out or even if okay. you're really brave you can do eight in and 16 out 16 yeah. out yeah. okay so you can count sympathetic yeah mm so yeah. you can count four one two three four take in yeah. and then eight for the yeah. out but what we also do is we've made this tracks audio tracks with music which makes yeah. it even more effortless because it's already perfectly yeah. timed to be 
that's the another thing that I want to talk about because first I want to you know I want to know your fascination with yeah. music because I mean you literally out there on your workshop and training you are yeah. out there behind the you know all the uh, music equipment like a DJ out there yes. <laughs> playing the music for people and also yeah. you know creating that super energy filled room yeah. so and i can see a lot of tracks on your youtube that you yeah. know people can actually go and start listening to those how can you know people involve music in the whole thing that we are talking about great question great question okay so music music has a very special place in my heart and music has uh, some special qualities about it firstly when you listen to music that you really like and enjoy that's made in a beautiful way it actually has been shown as well you know that it lights up every area of your brain and it can also improve your just your ability to get into these like meditative states and feel good states and overall improves your well-being and your mood okay when you listen to music that you like so the other thing is music can also have a rhythm to it. So we use the music as a way for you to effortlessly breathe without having to consciously count seconds or use mala beads, which they use sometimes, so that that way um, it becomes like a very effortless meditation. That's one of the unique things with Soma is that we use the music as a way to take you on a journey. And then the deeper... Uh, experiences which you've you've done in the in the big rooms um true which we also do uh as group experiences we also do it as one-on-one -on -one experiences these are like several rounds of this kumbhaka techniques and rhythmic breathing but we also have this extra technique we i call it somadi okay it's based on kevala kumbhaka which is getting into this breathless state state where you don't need to breathe in or out and with the right music okay you can create such a heightened like emotional state and they've shown this as well in studies that the higher your positive hormones are in your body like your oxytocin your dopamine serotonin things like that, that that are associated with feeling good like even the state of orgasm has been shown actually to be the best for creating brain change so if you look at meditation as actually a tool for brain change which means going in there and changing the, the synapses and neurology of your brain, producing new brain cells in the areas that you want to develop, all right? This is neurogenesis. Then using this powerful rhythmic breathing, heightened states of emotion with an intention. So intention is like a statement, a command to your, your, your unconscious mind. You can actually invoke brain change at will. This is really what enlightenment really was. Enlightenment, if you take it from this con uh, perception, was the awareness that we are robotic, okay, in nature, because we're conditioned from a young age. This produces, instills hardwired habits, routines, patterns that are for our survival. However, quite often they don't serve us and they're at somebody else's best interest. But the point of enlightenment was that you can wake up out of this and you become the software programmer of your own operating system and using this this tech this uh this music technology with breath with the um these ancient techniques and the right guidance and and this guided meditation we can actually invoke brain change according to will which is the true like magic the real art of magic was being able to 
like change your inner world to create the outer world alignment. That's what yoga was really. It's a system of magic, magical awakening. And this is really what we're teaching in Soma at a deep level. Like, but in order to get to that, that point, we, we build it up over 21 days in our awakening journey. Yeah. This is incredible, Neeraj, and I'm blown away by a lot of the things that you have shared here. And I'm sure a lot of listeners felt that way as well, because there is so much to learn from, you know, our last one hour discussion <laughs> on the simple thing that we do without being conscious, which is to breathe. And, yeah. you know, and you have went there, you know, starting from your own need to heal yourself to now helping a lot of people heal using the techniques that you have developed now backed by science and you know now you are doing this great job to take it to larger audience through your online courses through your 21 days events and you know whatnot uh, so is there anything that we haven't discussed yet around this topic itself uh, before we end this episode so one of the other things um i'm all about is these positive mantras i i love my life which yeah. is like the, the Western equivalent of Onama Shivaya, right? Yeah. <laughs> I love my life. It's like praise the universe. Um, mm -hmm. I'm really into the words, language, and, and the way it invokes effects in the mind and the body and the spirit. So I always like to surround myself with, with positive affirmations because I think that, that programs you in a positive way. And I'm all about gratitude. So, you know, like gratitude has also been shown in science to be one of the best uh, ways for us to stay a state of well-being and, and that's uh, the number one habit recommended on the inspiring talk by you know a lot yeah. of past guests saying that yes. being in gratitude is the number one thing you know a lot of people have attributed their success to in the past as well yes exactly so the combination of um, these positive intentions with what we do with our soma techniques is what really creates magic and i'll give you a little thing so if you look at the history of where we came from Okay. We, according to the evolutionary science, we came from, uh, we were originally single celled organisms, bacteria, right? And they were constantly fighting with each other, trying to, um, take up all the resources that was available. And there'd always be a battle going on. Some bacterial species would thrive, others would die, and there would just be a constant battle. Then one day they got fed up of fighting with each other and they met to create a multicellular organism. And these cells came together in terms of cooperation, collaboration, connection, trust, and love. And then they formed organized cell uh, uh, beings, which then eventually led to us. Okay. But there may have been some alien DNA being thrown in there at some point, but that's a whole <laughs> other story. But um, yeah, we, we eventually emerged. But what, what I'm saying is that every cell in our body comes together and works harmoniously with each other based on trust, love, and connection, okay? And for us to, to survive as a species, we must look at that and realize that unless we now see each other as one big living organism, the species of mankind is one big organism, okay? And Earth is also an even bigger organism. We need to come together on the basis of trust, love, and connection. We need to connect. We, need to, we don't want competition. We want collaboration. And when we do that, then magic's going to happen. And disease occurs when the cells get confused. So if you carry a lot of hate, anger, jealousy, fear, right? If you fear, 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 what happens is it, it messes up this natural bond that every cell has for each other. 
and and that confuses the cells and the cells go into defense mode and they stop thriving they go into survival mode and they don't use energy very efficiently so in order to prevent disease we must understand these principles of letting go of the past embracing the future and focusing on forgiveness compassion and gratitude okay this will create a harmony in every cell and make your cells fall in love with each other again all right this will help prevent autoimmune disease autoimmune is just merely cells getting confused and and then thinking that your own natural your inner cells are, are disease cells are, are foreign cells and they start attacking your own cells which is autoimmune so you know just by changing your perception of the world can have amazing when i got the autoimmune i had a lot of distrust of the pharmaceutical establishment and the government and all these things and i had lost my connection with the spirit and there's no wonder i got disease here's another mantra that i like to share with people and that is what's the first letter of the word illness is i right hubris and this idea of i the sense of self right can lead to disease the reason why is because it's the first two letters of the word wellness is we right so when we become we people when we start thinking in terms of community and coming together we become much stronger okay and it creates harmony and that's what our cells need to thrive so i centered people tend to get sicker right then we centered people that's that's also something you can see especially in terms of depression and things like that so you know the longest living people in the world are very socially integrated they're like very family oriented people this is really important fundamental for us building communities and that's what we're all all about in soma okay and here's another thing like question you should ask yourself every single morning am i waking up with absolute enthusiasm to do a hard day's work if you are right that's great but if you're waking up feeling like you're having to do whatever it is you need to do to survive to fit in that is going to also lead to stress chronic stress as eventually going to make you sick so what we try and do with soma is we help people wake up with a love for life i love my life this enthusiasm to to do what i want to do like hard days work not just sitting idle that's not that's not loving life that's being apathetic i'm talking about getting action getting active and not being lazy but actually doing stuff making things happen in the world you know for yourself for your family for your loved ones you know and that's what we're all about so this is why i'm so glad to be doing the work we're doing now because it's just helping so many people to to get healthy that's the true definition of wellness in my opinion is waking up with enthusiasm for life 100% and uh, that shows on the work that you do and uh, the passion that you have for it and i love that uh, i love my life track that you have uh, yes. you know is it on youtube i'll probably link that on the description yeah, of the episode it's It's on Spotify. Okay, it's on Spotify. Then I'll link that up on the you know description yeah. below the I love my life track. Absolutely it's amazing. Also on, it's also uh, on YouTube. And uh, you know the interesting thing is uh Nidas creates his own tracks for the programs that he does. He do not yeah. outsource them or he don't use someone else's so that he can put that you know blend of love and you know kindness and the vision that he have yes. for the participants and the outcome that is phenomenal. Uh Nidas, uh, I have one last question left for you Nidas before I ask you this question. 
what is the best possible way for people to reach out to you? Now you are also a Mind Valley teacher. You have your course out there on the largest, uh, you know, personal transformation, you know, platform or the online education platform out there. And uh, your course, you were, you know, before we started recording, you were talking about the great feedback and amazing, you know, response that you are getting for the two-hour-long masterclass. There, uh, what is the best possible way for people to reach out to you, learn more about soma breathing techniques that you teach, and learn from you, and uh, you know, get into your world. Okay, so the first place you can go is our somabreath.com website, and you can sign up for the free masterclass on there. And uh, there, I show you uh, everything I talked about on here in more depth, with all the science, all the references behind that. And you can actually have a taste of our twenty-two minute uh, session on there, which is really profound. I highly recommend you all do that. You know, ironically, now because of these just free things I put out on YouTube, you can also go to YouTube and check out our masterclass on there and videos it's attracted like some of the top like ceos amazing like people who have so much influence in the world who have become major fans even like ben greenfield is the top peak performance expert is um, a big fan of soma so just with this free stuff we put out is is paying us forward so you can also go on youtube and uh, check out our stuff on there on soma breath youtube channel there's loads of free stuff on there for you with some daily doses you can check out as well and then we also have a 21 day awakening journey i was talking about which i highly recommend everyone does we also have instructor training we want more indian instructors we'd love to have lots of indian instructors coming through because i think india is like the next place that i really want to put my attention i think there's some important work we need to do there a lot of people are um, hungry for this information it's basically just going back to our roots you know and now we have the evidence. We don't have to belittle our, you know, our favorite yogis and all that anymore because they aren't mad. They're not crazy. Most of them are pretty on point. However, I'm also helping yogis also learn more about the true science, about carbon dioxide, about breath retention, about the role of oxygen and why it's not all about deep breathing. No, it's all about controlling the breath so that you become oxygen efficient. There's a lot of misconceptions in yoga which I'm helping to solve as well. So you can learn all about that on our site. And also um, our Soma Breath group on Facebook. So we've got a really active group. It's amazing on there, very highly engaged. You can reach out to other instructors and you can get a lot of questions answered in there too. Super. I'll link all of that on the uh, show notes page of this episode, guys. Make sure that you check that out and uh, go and, you know, watch a lot of videos on the techniques that, you know, Neeraj has put on his YouTube and uh, also the, you know, uh, Soma Breath website. And uh, if you want to explore further, then you may want to check out his programs as well. And, you know, you may want to go for one of the retreats. And I absolutely loved being on the session with Neeraj and uh, the love and passion that he puts. And also, most importantly, the techniques that he shares that really takes you on the state of peak and on the meditative state that we are talking about, which is super important for anyone to de-stress. And uh, if you do it on a regular basis, then you can heal yourself from a lot of chronic diseases. All right. Thank you so much, Neeraj, for being here. I have this last question for you. Imagine this, that you are standing on a stage and this one is the largest stadium that has ever been built in the history of the world and there are millions of people on that stadium 
obviously after the corona thing happens <laughs> not right now <laughs> so imagine there are millions of people on the stadium eagerly and passionately waiting to listen to you and you have been given only one minute of the time to share the most important lesson that you have learned in your life what would be your message i think i um shared some of that already in the last piece that i said and that is we all came together ourselves came together on the basis of love trust compassion connection and in order for us to solve these big problems we have in the world we we must come together as one we we must become aware and really start to like check things ourselves and think for ourselves and not just trust the first thing you read in the mainstream you know media or what you see on some blog is to start actually waking up becoming aware and looking to both sides of every story rather than just being one sided okay we must become awakened to the fact that we are conditioned all the time and this creates a reality tunnel and it can actually create very predictable kind of behavior patterns in people now in order for us to really wake up we have to realize that we can reprogram we can go back into the past and we can reprogram ourselves according to our will our true will and my daily practice every day is to become really aware mindful of my truth who I truly am my true values not the thing that's been projected onto me and it always comes down to this is love compassion trust and having good values and becoming a person who works on my inner world daily because if we want to change you know gandhi says this quote if you want to change the world you got to change yourself first be the change you want to see in the world so every day for me is a daily practice of cleansing myself and improving my inner world to create the the reality that i really want which is one where we end war we have peace on earth we have abundance for all i'm all about pro i'm all about you know people living in abundance you know and i believe that with the right management resources with the the right distribution of knowledge and fairness in our economical system we can have paradise on earth and i believe we are going into a golden age right now of human of mankind people are waking up on a rate that hasn't been done before because of the situation that's happening right now and i believe that if we all come together as one one tribe one community one spirit we can change the world and actually bring in the golden age of mankind and we don't have to harm anyone in the process we all have an entire place on this planet to thrive not just survive so this is that mission that we're on with soma this is incredible needers thank you so much thank you brother much love thank you so much for listening to this episode of the inspiring talk podcast i'm blown away by the insights shared by needers and hope you learned a ton from this episode as well if you'd like to join 21 days awakening breath journey i have put the link on the description of this episode you may like to check that program um there might be one starting soon uh this is definitely gonna take you on a more immersive experience and you get the opportunity to go in depth of the entire principles and things that neeraj has spoken about you, i'll put that 
link on the show notes. You can access show notes page at theinspiringtalk.com forward slash 8686. Let's share this information to as many people as possible and I'm sure they will find this helpful and will thank you for this. I would love for you to take a screenshot of this episode and share it on your Instagram. And when you do that, please tag me at the rate Bijay Speaks. Thank you so much for listening. I'll catch you in the next. Now, go out there and do something inspiring.